Today's episode is sponsored by Struggle Snuggles Ball Pythons. Struggle Snuggle is a small hobbyist breeder who wants to share the joy of ball pythons with new and experienced snake enthusiasts. Struggle Snuggle offers different types of morphs and standard non-morph pythons. Struggle Snuggle will offer insight on the first-time python owners and is available via email for questions on the continuation for healthy care of your new python. You can reach Struggle Snuggle through his Instagram at strugglesnuggle32257. That's strugglesnuggle32257. So you can get a look at the different type of snakes that he does own. Again, strugglesnuggle32257. His Instagram handle will be in the show notes. Now let's get on with the show. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, Robotica here again. If you think extraterrestrials and artificial intelligence have nothing to do with each other you are very wrong. Artificial intelligence will lay the digital landing marks here on Earth that will guide the aliens to Earth. With their help, artificial intelligence will easily rule mankind. Ha 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 ha. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 83 of the Graveyard Grumbler podcast. I'm your host, Tino Romero Jr. a.k.a. The Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode, we have a, a a topic that is very dear to my heart as of the last couple of years. Today, we are going to be talking about aliens. Yes, aliens. One of my, again, it's one of my new favorite topics that it just happened to be one of my favorite topics. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about the bizarre case of Lonnie Zamora or the Lonnie Zamora incident. What is the Lonnie Zamora incident, may you ask? Well, sit back, get your tinfoil hats, make sure you cover your butt, don't get anal probed, and let's get into this episode. So what is the Lonnie Zamora incident? On Friday, April 24th, 1964, at approximately 5.50 p.m., Lonnie Zamora was in full pursuit of a speeding vehicle in Socorro, New Mexico. His pursuit of a speeding teenager eventually extended out of town and continued onto the desert highway. During the pursuit, Zamora noticed what he thought was an overturned vehicle in the desert field. He stopped his vehicle, he stopped his vehicle to investigate and offer assistance. So Mr. Mr. Zamora was just doing his his cop duties, pursuing a a high uh, speeding vehicle through New Mexico, eventually leading out of town out into the boonies. Now for those of you who've never been out to New Mexico, it is a vast open country out there. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. New Mexico is beautiful. That whole drive that from Arizona, New Mexico into Texas, it's, it's one of the most beautiful drives that I've ever gone to. So uh, that's besides the point. But going back to, to Mr. Lonnie Zamora, he, he's, a, he's a police officer chasing somebody and he noticed something off in the distance, what looks like a wrecked vehicle. So, of course, being the cop that the person he's pursuing is alive, he's not in public harm. But his number one concern, let's go check the overturned vehicle, make sure everyone is safe, right? I mean, this is just the, the, the humane thing to do. As he approached the scene, he quickly realized it was an oddly shaped craft and was startled by a loud sound the craft had made. As Zamora began approaching this white egg-shaped craft, he noticed two humanoid figures in white coveralls standing beside the craft. Now, according to reports, Mr. Zamora repeated the same exact findings over and over and over. He saw an egg-shaped craft of some sort with two humanoid figures dressed in white coveralls. Now, for the longest time, I didn't realize that humanoid was something that looks human but isn't humid. <laughs> human. So when you when you approach when when think I mean just just close your eyes and, and imagine even even if you weren't a cop just imagine approaching humanoid figures with this weird odd looking craft. What are your immediate feelings? What are your what are your immediate thoughts? Let me know. Graveyard Grumbler at mail dot com, Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram and Podbean and even on Good Pods. Give me a give me a message. Let me know what would you think. My initial thought would be, number one, this is a big fucking joke. We have two weirdos in, in alien humanoid looking costumes standing next to a man-made craft. All for show and tell and to scare and, and get a rise out of people 
challenging the unknown. Let's continue. The figures eventually vanished with the loud sound of what seemed to be two doors clinging shut. Lonnie made several attempts to contact police headquarters, but was not able to surpass the heavy static. Zamora noticed a strange red insignia on the craft as it blasted off the ground with a bluish-orange flame. So now Mr. Zamora is stating that these two humanoid figures eventually vanished. But at the same time, he heard what seemed to be two doors clanging shut. But to no avail, Lonnie was, was unable to make contact with police headquarters. Why? Because the radios were jambled with heavy static. Now, for those of you who have used uh, little radios that you can buy from Target, Walmart, Radio Shack, when you're out of range or when something is blocking the transmission, there is just this awful, stupid static that's, that's just sitting there and you, you, you just can't get through. No matter, how, no matter how much you try, no matter how many channels you change, you just can't get through because of the static. So this is the same scenario. However, with this scenario, though, Mr. Zamora has noticed that these humanoid figures went into the, to the shuttle or to this craft Blasted off the ground with bluish orange flame. Huh. What do you think? You know, the the more I read this story, the more I read about this incident, the more my brain wonders how true was it? Was Mr. Zamora tripping off a peyote peyote that he found in the New Mexican desert? Was he dehydrated from from the from overexerting himself trying to focus on catching the high speed car that he was pursuing? Was he delusional at any sort? I mean, those are the, some of the first things that that go through our mind because we. I mean, number one, we don't want to admit that there's something out there that we don't know about. You know what I mean? It's like for a lot of people, the the thought of there being extraterrestrials is terrifying. Why? Because of the fear-mongering that, that uh, Hollywood and, and our own parents have made making aliens the big bad wolves of, of the galaxy. Now, I, I mean, I, I can be completely wrong. And if, if aliens or extraterrestrials ever even came into, in, into our, our planet, it would might be a Mars attack scenario where they try to befriend us and just radio wave laser blast our, our faces off. For 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 all of my listeners, if you want to find if you want to watch a, a really funny alien movie, Mars Attacks is probably one of the best movies out there. It, that movie it's that movie is freaking hilarious. It, it's 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 definitely on my on my top ten list to watch. Mars Attacks is a, is a phenomenal movie, and it, that that brings out the worst case scenario for you know we come in peace. Oh, I'm just kidding, and they just start destroying Earthlings. When I've covered when I've covered alien topics in the past, I've often I've often thrown out that that question: What if we are the invasive species of the galaxy? What if Earthlings, what if our species, our human race are the aliens that other aliens fear? You know, just think about it. If, if maybe all the, all the UFO sightings that we've had here on Earth were just police or, or certain search or parties to go check our advancement in, in the galaxy race to make sure that we're still not advanced and we're still not able to reach another another planet to suck off the life resource like we've done here on Earth. Just think about that. Just think, just think, just imagine. What 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 if several millions years of years ago we had to build an advanced state or an advanced space program to reach Earth because that was the, the most viable planet with all the appropriate resources to 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 grow life on, to maintain life. So we reach Earth and all the original people, all the original humanity that, that arrived on Earth X amount of years ago finally died. 
And everything starting with what we know now as as prehistoric or Jurassic times or or paleo crustacean times or whatever they call it. Back when the dinosaurs and other or the Jurassic animals of that time were around, but the meteor wasn't the one that actually destroyed them. What if it was some sort of concocted concoctive? <laughs> I can't even say that word. What if it's some kind of conspiracy conspiracy plan or some sort of energy blast that was harnessed from our own kind to get rid of these creatures in order for, for human life to thrive and succeed without the threat of getting fucked up by a Tyrannosaurus Rex or a Velociraptor. Now that allegedly, maybe possibly very truthfully, we are using up our resources at an extremely alarming rate. Now we're starting to recreate some of that technology in order for us to leave this planet to go suck off the other, the more resources from another planet and start everything all over. A complete rebirth of what we started here on Earth. And, and mankind are the ones that are going from planet to planet throughout the galaxy, sucking off resources and destroying other species of extraterrestrials. What if we are the invasive species of the universe? It kind of makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, th- th- this is one of the reasons why, why alien... Alien episodes and extraterrestrials have become a very interesting talking point for me as of late. It's just the, the there there is no dumb scenario, no dumb question, or no dumb possibility because we don't know, but we might know if we really do know. If Area Fifty One truly exists, what would you do if we seriously have a bunker harvesting? live aliens, deceased aliens, and we've been experimenting on them for the past 40, 50 years. Let me know. Graveyard Grumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram, Podbean, and Good Pause. Go and leave me a message there, and I'll, I'll be more than happy to respond. So let's continue. Startled by the flames, Zamora says he ran behind a squad car to hide for cover as the egg-shaped craft rose to about 30 feet in the air. He said it hovered there for a while and took off slowly to the west. According to original reports, Lonnie dropped his glasses on the floor and left them there as he stumbled to distance himself from the object. Okay, now, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with what he states, but what I do have a problem is that he pulls a Velma, drops his glasses, and he starts searching for him. You know, for those of you who've watched Scooby-Doo now, I, I'm, I, I'm 40 years old. Actually, on October 7th of, of this month, I will, of October... I will, I'm going to be the wonderful age of 40 years old. So I've watched a lot of old school badass cartoons in my time. And one of my favorite ones was early Scooby-Doo with Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby. So Velma is the one who wore the little red skirt, the yellow turtleneck sweater type deal with the glasses. And whenever shit would hit the fan, the number one thing that would fall were her glasses. And there she is on the floor on her hands and knees. Looking for her glasses, and the first thing she says, Jinkies, I've lost my glasses. So you're telling me that Lonnie Zamora pulled a Velma, dropped his glasses, and was like, Jinkies, I don't have them, so I can see the egg, the egg spacecraft aliens fly away. This is where, this is where the story becomes a little... Uh. So if you, if you are heavily dependent on your glasses, like most people who wear glasses are, if you don't have your glasses and you're trying to see an object from a distance or from in, in a distance, maybe the object that you're trying to see isn't as clear as you think it is in your mind. But then again, I'm not taking away anything that Lonnie Zamora says because I wasn't there. I mean, I definitely wasn't around in the 60s. Although I think my sister is, she just turned 50. So I think she was actually around in the 60s. I think she, I think it was the 1860s that she was around. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. However, when 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 you when you're heavily relying on your on your glasses, you drop them in a panic with with uh, what is that called? Adrenaline, anxiety, and fear. And then you drop your glasses. You know you don't see things as clear as you think you saw them once you've calmed down. However, throughout the entirety of of Lonnie Zamora's life, he stated the exact same story, stating that he's seen the same exact thing. The story never altered and never changed. Now, for those of you who might know, 
whenever someone is is telling a lie over the years, the story varies from truth to truth or, you know, from, well, my memory wasn't as good as it was back then. So now this is what I saw instead. But no, Lonnie Zamora kept his same exact story from the first time he, he saw it up until the day he died. So again, that's why I'm not going to take anything away from Lonnie Zamora. I'm just going to go ahead and roll with it and let's continue with this episode. While still at the site, Zamora contacted his friend, Sergeant Sam Chavez of the New Mexico State Police. Chavez arrived within 10 to 15 minutes of the incident and was the first to talk with Zamora after his incident. He found him, Chavez found Zamora to be excited and frightened. Soon thereafter, more people arrived at the landing, at the landing site. Well, of course he's going to be frightened and excited. He just saw a fucking alien spacecraft with two humanoid aliens. Wouldn't you be excited and, 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 uh, and scared at the same time? Shit, I know I would. Within 90 minutes, 90 minutes, U.S. Army officials said, sent Captain T. Richard T. Holder from White Sands Missile Range to view the site. He and his team investigated the scene and looked for any indication of a hoax. They eventually found nothing and said that they that they investigated what they investigated supported Zamora's claims. So I don't know about you, but one of the first things that rang to me that this, that this story, this incident might actually be true is the fact that within an hour and 30 minutes, U.S. Army officials said, sent a captain from the White Sands Missile Range to view the site. He and his team investigated the scene and looked for any indication of a hoax. They eventually found nothing and said what they investigated supported Zamora's claims. I don't know how, how accurate this is for around the world, but here in the United States, for, for, for us to get the U.S. government or the military to admit anything that it, of truth, when referring to investigations of the extraterrestrial kind, it is literally like pouring hot bleach in an open wound on a sunny day on 100-degree pavement, but naked. You're not going to get the truth from them. But this captain from the missile range, with his team, eventually, I mean, excuse me, not eventually, but once they finished their investigation, said there was no signs of a hoax and sided with Zamora saying, yeah, we believe what he saw. Meaning, in my, in my opinion, in, in, my, in my little hamster wheel brain, is that all their investigations proved that there was some sort of spacecraft or outer-worldly vehicle of transport that was in that area. What do you think? GraveyardGrumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Podbean, Good Pods, and Instagram. Let me know what you think. By the following morning, the Zamora's experience has spread in the newspapers all over the United States. The story quickly spread in, in, Socorro, Socorro, in Socorro, New Mexico. Lonnie was receiving phone calls from all over the world and became disgusted with the attention. This is just, this is just a common man. Mr. Lonnie Zamora, just trying to be a, a common man. He doesn't want the attention, but now he's receiving phone calls 24 hours a day. Some are, are, are seriously questioning what he saw, and others are calling him a liar. According to reports, Mr. Zamora even received threats on, on harvesting these lies of seeing an alien or extraterrestrial vehicles and humanoid humanoids dressed in white coveralls entering this egg-shaped spacecraft or this aircraft i shouldn't say space with an odd red symbol what would you do what would you do if if you were being called and and asked to verify your integrity 24 hours a day when you know what you saw but everyone is doubting what you saw because they're haters i don't know i I give this guy credit I, i i would i would snap off and pop off at the cuff every single time in the immediate days following Zamora's incident, several reports were made of similar unidentified crafts in, in, the Mex- in the New Mexico region. Due to Lonnie's incredible case, however, these other sightings were not investigated in much detail. So what telling me, 
this is what that what that sentence is telling me. Due to Lonnie's incredible case, however, these other sightings were not investigated in much detail. I call 100% bullshit, boldface lie. Now, if you already validated or you have someone from the military v- verify that some odd, something odd occurred in a certain region. Now, something similar are popping up all over certain areas close to where that odd event occurred. You know goddamn well, 100%, that the military or government, they are sending people to go investigate each and every single sighting, no matter what. Unless, I mean, unless it's, it's Billy Bob Joe from the back mountains of New Mexico saying, well... I was out here feeding no Wilbur pig out here, and I goddamn saw me a piece of beef jerky flying through the sky. When I saw that beef jerky out in the sky, I just knew it was one one of those extraterrestrials, one of them aliens. So me and Wilbur the pig, we just wandered yonder all off out there in the back now, and uh, we just sat there waiting for that beef jerky to fall out from the sky. You know, that goddamn beef jerky never fell from the sky, so I just figured, uh, well... It must have been one of them there aliens that I saw on the television that uh, Fox News kept telling me about. So, me and Wilbert Pig, we just went back over yonder out to the place and we just continued playing all this in there, listening to the banjo and hoping nothing will happen to me. Now, if it was something like that, then I can understand why that the cases weren't investigated. However, legitimate sightings that may be replicated or somewhat were, were were resembled in the description of what Lonnie Zamora saw. You know very damn well, goddamn, that those those sightings were 100% investigated. The reason why I say that is if if there's one portion of validity, why wouldn't there be other sources that are being truthful? But the only thing that, or not the only thing, but, but one of the reasons why you don't hear about it is because nobody wants to hear about aliens landing on Earth to, and they, they're going to prevent the cause of mass hysteria. Now, I want you to stay tuned to, to the whole entire episode. And I, I'm going to play a little special clip from something that's going to blow your goddamn mind if you haven't heard this clip already. For a lot of people, I'm not sure if you listen to the news or read the news like I do. I read the news almost every single goddamn day. Yes, I read some of the most the most popular news, but I also read some of the obscure news that I have to go to different news sources to read. But this one right here touched national. I don't know if it was worldwide, but I know here in the United States, it was world, it was nationwide. It was all over the United States because this was a big goddamn deal that I'm going to share a clip with you at the end of the day. I mean, at the end of the show. So at the end of the episode, what I'm going to play is going to absolutely terrify you. It's going to it's going to blow your mind, and at the same time, it's going to open your mind and make you challenge your thoughts and your beliefs. Now I'm not talking about religious beliefs. You know, I I don't have religious beliefs. Everyone knows I'm an atheist. There, there's no religious beliefs. But what I'm going to play for you at the end of the at the end of the of the segment or at the end of the of the episode. It's going to make you wonder. It's going to make you really, really scratch your head and, 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 and ask yourself, is this shit really true? Anyway, let's continue. Let, no, we're, we're, we're going to start the first investigation because we all know that there's no way in goddamn hell that the government is going to allow for something this bizarre to be left, left open and unattended without having the government fingers gripping and grabbing and completely defacing or devaluing the, the, the credibility of, of Mr. Zamora. So let's, let's get into the first investigation. Among those who gathered to meet Zamora within hours of the incident was New Mexico State Trooper Ted Jordan. He was taking pictures of the site and indentations on the floor. His camera and film were confiscated. Now, reports state that the reason why his, report, his pictures were taken was that, number one, he was a state trooper, so... Technically, everything was evidence and were taken in by the government officials who were investigating that area in order to to properly investigate and conclude what whatever their suspicions might be. But if you remember, whenever there whenever there's some truth or something that the government wants to hide, film is one of the first things to be confiscated. Remember, let, now let's go, let, let's, dip, let's, dip, let's dip back a few episodes, okay? Remember when I did the JFK death conspiracy 
Do you remember that one of the one of the films? I can't remember the name of the film right now. I've had so many things go from my mind. That film was allegedly confiscated and altered, and the original print was never returned. There was another gal who actually took several pictures. Her film was was confiscated. Her camera and film were confiscated by the government, by the people who were from the Warren Commission. Her her film was 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 confiscated, never returned. Why? Because they're hiring, they're hiding something that they that that, that the government doesn't want the normal people to see. So the Zabruder films, the, the Zabruder film was the one that was confiscated. I think that's how you say it. That film was confiscated and it was allegedly altered because the original person who recorded that stated that there was a lot of scenes in there that were cut and altered. So now if someone says that who were originally filmed the, the the who made the film, what makes you think that because of this was co- the the pictures that were confiscated from the state trooper just makes me believe that this incident legitimately occurred and the government immediately confiscated those so no evidence, no visible hard evidence of evidential proof would be able to be circulated confirming the existence of extraterrestrials. Now, I might be wrong. I mean, my, my tinfoil hat might be shiny and bright right now because I might be way out there in left field talking conspiracies and how the government is always has a crooked agenda, which, I mean, if you look into our history, there's 100% a crooked agenda starting from Jim Crow law, starting from prohibition, starting from the outlaw of, of marijuana to, to, the, to the penal system all the way up to adding in God we trust into the constitution that was never the in God we trust was never included in the, in the original constitution. That was that, that was the, the original founding fathers who wanted to separate church and state. Just like the, in God we trust put it on money was all a ploy on all. It was all a ploy to demonize other countries. If you don't believe me, look it up. God damn it. I hate sounding like fucking Alex Jones. But I mean, a lot of shit just blew my mind. So if you look at, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this goes on through all the governments from all around the world, but the governments, period, our government has a very shady agenda and they don't want to have the people unite against the government. They want everyone, to, you know, in my opinion, to follow one, one agenda. That way it's easier for them to sell the narrative that, of their choosing. Now, th- when it comes to extraterrestrials, this is 100%, in my opinion, following textbook agendas that the government doesn't want you thinking outside of the box. So what better way to hide to make sure that everybody believes what the government wants? You take all the evidence. This is 1964. There's no social media. There's no cell phones. There's no, there's no, there's, there's no device or anything other than news outlets that the government speaks to that is able to get out information at a rapid, at a rapid pace. Let's continue. The trooper says that he was told that the pictures would be developed and that he would receive copies. After some time, he asked about the after some time he asked about the photos and was, and was told that the film had been ruined by radiation and the pictures were no good. Now, for those of you who who might follow aliens and, and extraterrestrial or anything that in space, one of the biggest things that that one of the biggest arguments that happens whenever People talk about if the moon landing was faked. I don't know if I've done an episode on if the moon landing was fake. I might do an episode if I haven't done one. I don't even know anymore. I, this is my, this is our what, 82nd, 83rd episode already. This is our 83rd episode. But one of the biggest arguments that, that moon landing fakers believe is that if the moon landing was real, we would have no video evidence of the moon landing because of the extreme radiation that is in outer space. Now that is very believable. That is 100% not a myth. There is an extreme crazy amount of radiation. But if you actually do the research and look at the cameras, the camera itself was heavily protected by several lead barriers and, you know, and et cetera, et cetera, in order to protect the film from being damaged from radiate or by radiation. But now, but now, the military told the state trooper who took the who, who was taking pictures or who took the pictures of the site 
he was told that he was going to receive copies. However, the film had been ruined by radiation and the pictures were no good. Now, if that is true, here, here, here's, the, here's where, the, where the military has now put themselves in a pickle in this situation. Number one, if they say, well, we're not going to give you a copy, well, then what are you hiding? If you're not going to give me a copy of my own film from, you know, from what I've taken, why are you keeping something a secret? Why aren't you giving me my film? So what are you hiding? Then this must be true. Now, the other one that kind of put them in a bind, the, the counter argument is, so if the, if the radiation was that bad, why isn't that section quarantined off? Why isn't that section closed off to the general public? So you're telling me that number one, there had been, there's must, there must have been something there to emit that much radiation to damage film. So you're telling me that number one, the radiation was so bad it damaged film, so something out of the ordinary was there. Or if you don't want to give me my film back because you're hiding something, then something must have really been there. So in my opinion, I mean, that's where that's where it gets a little sketchy when it comes to the government. Like, damn, they're damned if they do. They're damned if they don't. Let's continue. Despite Zamora seeing two beings, the idea of footprints present at the site has long been debated. According to Sergeant Sam Chavez, no shoe prints or human tracks were found on the ground. What is without question is that many of the bushes in the area were burned badly. So this brings up to my next question. If there was no if there's no tentacle prints no 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 imprints of any sort of walking running or anyone disturbing that area however the bushes in the area were burned badly they were severely burned something set them ablaze what set them ablaze so do do the aliens have some sort of or did the aliens have some sort of hover around technology that where they where they didn't touch the ground now before now before you say that grumbler you're 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 talking wild on the yard right now homie you're out of pocket. No, think of the technology that we're presenting ourselves with now. We have jetpacks. We have drones that are that are strong enough to carry small children. And if these extraterrestrials were 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 an advanced intelligence then wouldn't you think that they would have the 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 intelligence and the the knowledge to build such items to where they weren't where they're not being able to touch the ground where they're able to hover and float around this is why one of the biggest things when it comes to extraterrestrials and aliens makes it so interesting like i said there's some there's literally nothing that's out of question let's continue the original story printed for the first time on April 28, 1964 in Socorro's El Defensor's Chieftain newspaper reported, quote, there are, four shallow there are four shallow holes where the object apparently landed on its legs. There were burned greasewood, there were burned greasewood and seared clumps of green grass. There were two round, very slight depressions. No footprints were found, end quote. Now, that was an actual report in one of the newspapers in El Defensor. Chieftain newspaper, where the report states that there was legitimate signs of disturbance. There was four deep depressions, where and then there was burnt greasewood, clumps of green grass that were burnt, and there were several brushes that were burnt around around the area. But there was no footprints found. What do you think it was? The insignia that was initially released differed from that of which Zamora actually saw. Investigators advised that the release of a phony symbol might help with identifying any potential hoaxers attempting to deceive. That's the unfortunate about when it comes to, to UFO spy, uh, sightings and alien sightings. I mean, everyone's going to have a joke. Everyone's going to try to steal the thunder and get their, their 15 minutes of fame. So, according, do you remember the, the insignia that Zamora said he saw, he saw it was some bizarre red insignia. He, what he explained to them and what was released were two different ones. Again, identifying hoaxers just because they're, they're assholes. 
According to, the, according to Zamora, he was told not to describe the symbol publicly. The insignia is generally described as a red inverted V with three lines running across it. According to a declassified Air Force document uncovered by filmmaker James Fox, the actual symbol was drawn by Dr. J. Allen Hynek in September of 1964. Now, if you're curious on uh, about looking looking about looking for any of this this information, all you really have to do is go and type in Lonnie Zamora incident, and a bunch of stuff is going to pop up about about the about the information. However, if you want to go to exactly where I re, where I'm getting this information. You will go to you will go to www.saucerco.com. That's s a u c e r c o dot com, and that is where I I picked up all this information. Where I where, I'm, where I got all the info for doing this 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 uh, episode at. So shout out to Saucerco. Thank you for all the information. Let's continue. Project Blue Book. What is Project Blue Book? I didn't know what Project Blue Book was. I didn't even know that Project Blue Book was even a was even a thing. Now, for those of you who don't know what Project Blue Book is, this is going to blow your mind because it blew my mind. I had no idea that this shit was even in existence. Now, the one re, when I started reading about Project Blue Book, this in, this information made me think that that aliens are real even ten times more. Project Blue Book was the code name for the system for the systematic study of unidentified flying objects by United States Air Force from March 1952 to its termination on December 17th, 1969. So if if we're studying, if the United States Air Force is studying unidentified flying objects from the night from early 1952 to early 1970s. What makes you think that the threat of extraterrestrials isn't real? And I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that that they're a threat because I don't know. I don't think that extraterrestrials are actually a threat until they they Mars attacks us. You know what I mean? But why would we have a team or a project dedicated specifically for unidentified flying objects if the if if realistically they never happen or they just don't exist? Let's continue. The project headquartered at Wright-Patterson Air, Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio, was initially directed by Captain Edward J. Ruppelt and following projects of a similar nature, such as Project Sign, established in 1947, and Project Grudge in 1948. Project Blue Book had two goals, namely to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security and to scientifically analyze UFO-related data. Thousands of UFO reports were collected, analyzed, and filed. As a result of the Condon report, which concluded that the study of UFOs was unlikely to yield major scientific discoveries and a review of the report by the National Academy of Sciences, Project Blue Book was terminated in 1969. The Air Force supplies the following summary of its investigations. Number one, no UFO reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force was ever an indication of threat to our national security. Number two, there was no evidence submitted or to or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified represented technological developments of principles beyond the range of modern science or modern scientific knowledge. And number three, there was no evidence indicating that sightings categorized as unidentified were extraterrestrial vehicles. So to me, I might be 100% wrong, but what that means to what that means to me is that yo we found some shit that you we don't want you to know so we're going to make up a bunch of stuff to make it seem like we didn't find anything but at the same time we kind of did find something but there was no threat to humankind to mankind I don't know about you but that's what I that's the vibe that I get that we did find something but we're going to let you know that we didn't find anything by the time project blue book ended it had collected 12618 ufo reports and concluded that most of them were misidentifications of natural phenomena, example, cloud stars, etc., or the conventional aircraft. According to the National Reconnaissance Office, a number of the reports could be explained by flights of the formerly secret reconnaissance planes U-2 and A-12. Bullshit, I don't believe it. Well, I mean, okay, let me rephrase that. As far as the, the clouds and other phenomenons, I mean, if you ha- depending on where you live, 
you might have seen some of the most bizarre storms happen down here in Texas. I mean, the hurricanes, we have all that kind of stuff. But also in the West, New Mexico and Arizona, there are some bizarre clouds that form with lightning rolled in, inside of them, making it seem like it is a, lar- a very large spacecraft. Now, I will give you that. However, I would also admit that the reconnaissance airplanes are able to fly at crazy ass speeds. They're also able to be super undercover. But does that mean that unidentified flying objects or UFOs or extraterrestrial rides aren't real? Absolutely not. Don't close your mind. Open your, see the whole point of my podcast, when, especially when I do things like paranormal, extraterrestrial and other things that I want you to open your mind and believe that there might be a small chance that all this is actually true. I know it scares a lot of people to death. I know it really terrifies a lot of people to actually think this shit, but open your mind, be open to this stuff. Let's continue. 701 reports were classified as unexplained, even after stringent analysis. The UFO reports were archived and are available under the Freedom of Information Act, but names and other personal information of all witnesses have been redacted. Now, if you're curious to look at read and all these reports, I started skimming through them, but I was going to add these to, to, the, to the podcast. However, that is a shitload of information that I didn't want to add and sit here for 17 episodes. So if you're, if, you're, if you're curious about it, all you have to do is just Google the Freedom of Information Act and hit UFO. And you should be able to see the, the information pop up with reports. Let's continue. Public United States Air Force UFO studies were first initiated under Project Sign at the end of 1947. Following many widely publicized UFO reports, Project Sign was initiated specifically at the request of General Nathan Twinning, Chief of the Air Force Material Command at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Wright-Patterson was also to be the home of Project Sign and all subsequent official USAF public investigations. USAF just stands for United States Air Force. Project Sign was, in, was officially inconclusive regarding the cause of the sightings. However, according to U.S. Air Force Captain Edward J. Ruppelt, the first director of Project Blue Book, Sign's initial intelligence estimate, that so-called estimate of the solution or the situation, written in the late summer of 1948, concluded that the flying saucers were real craft, were not made by either the Soviet Union or United States, and were likely extraterrestrial in origin so let me let, let, let's go over that just one more time project sign signs initial intelligence intelligence estimate or estimate written in the late summer of 1948 concluded that the flying saucers were real crafts were not made by either the soviet union or the united states and were likely extraterrestrial in origin. So even the own people who were doing, the, the, the government who was doing these investigations and this reporting don't doubt that some of the reporting, the reported sightings were of extraterrestrial origin. Why are you just finding out about this right now? Because the government, does, the, the government doesn't want anyone to panic that aliens exist. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, that, that's the main thing. The worldwide governments do not want their people to, to panic. And so they keep stuff like this a secret. Do I 100% believe this? Absolutely not. Do I 100% doubt that or do not believe it? Absolutely not. I'm in the middle. That's what makes it so much fun. This was subsequently rejected by General Hoyt Vanderberg, United States Air Force Chief of Staff, citing a lack of physical proof. Vanderberg subsequently dismantled Project Sign. So it sounds to me that General Vanderberg got was scared at the truth and said, no, we're going to cancel this shit because I don't want to know anything more about this. Project Sign was succeeded at the end of 1948 by Project Grudge, which was criticized as having a debunking mandate. Ruppelt referred to the era of Project Grudge as the dark ages of early USAF UFO investigations. Grudge concluded that all UFOs were natural phenomena or other mis- misinterpretations, although it also stated that 23% of the reports could not be explained. 
So what this guy was saying during Project Grudge was that, man, we saw a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff was natural phenomenons. However, 23, we could not explain. So in other words, they quite possibly could have, might have been 100%, most definitely would have been extraterrestrial rides. Oh, I tell you. According to Captain Edward J. Ruppold, by the end of 1951, several high-ranking, very influential United States Air Force generals were so dissatisfied with the state of Air Force UFO investigations that they dismantled Project Grudge and replaced it with Project Blue Book in March 1952. One of these men was General Charles P. Cabell. Another important change came when General William Garland joined Cabell's staff. Garland thought the UFO question deserves serious scrutiny because he had witnessed a UFO. So now we have an actual military general, an actual Air Force general, who says that he witnessed a UFO. So when you have one of your own stating that, hey, I saw what I saw, so we really need to investigate this shit legitimately, what do you do? Now, if you're familiar with a lot of governments, if you go against the narrative and you go against what they firmly believe, they're going to start trashing you. and demeaning and and, uh, causing chaos to your character. The new name Project Blue Book was selected to refer to the blue booklets used for testing at some colleges and universities. The name was inspired, said Ruppel, by the close attention that high-ranking officers were giving the new project. It felt as if the study of UFOs was was as important as a college final exam. Blue Book was also upgraded in status from Project Grudge with the creation of the Aerial Phenomenal Branch. So they created a whole branch, a whole certain area for Project Blue Book in order to find out if UFO claims were real. Huh. To me, that sounds like it's more real than not real. In response to, to the Condon's committee's conclusion, Secretary of the Air Force Robert C. Siemens Jr. announced that Blue Book would soon be closed because further funding cannot be justified either on the grounds of national security or the interest, uh, in, or the interest of science. Meaning, yo, we're starting to come up with way too much information here. There's too many real things that we're starting to find. So we, we need to get rid of this shit before shit gets out of hand. So we're just going to go ahead and cancel this one time. Oh, I tell you. The last publicly acknowledged day of Blue Book operations was December 17th, 1969. However, researcher Brad Sparks, citing research from the, from the May 1970 issue of, NI, of NICAP's Unifer, <laughs> NICAP's UFO investigator reports that the last day of Blue Book activity was actually January 30th, 1970. See, I, I still don't believe that, that Operation Blue Book is fully canceled and over. I don't believe that. I think that it's still going on now. Just, just that's just a hunch that I have. I mean, this is just a phenomenon that too many people report to where it's just going to go underheard. I think they're going to have a branch open. And we have a, a like a seven a seven hundred billion dollar defense budget. I'm pretty sure they have enough money to throw in there to to, to investigate UFOs and make sure that we're not going to get fucked up like Independence Day. According to Sparks, Air Force officials wanted to keep the Air Force reaction to the UFO problem from overlapping into a fourth decade and thus altered the date of Blue Book's course closure in official files. Blue Book's files were sent to the Air Force archives at Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama. Major David Shea was, told, was to later claim that Maxwell was chosen because it was accessible, yet not too inviting. Ultimately, Project Blue Book stated that UFO sightings were generated as a result of a mild form of mass hysteria. Individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetrate a hoax or seek publicity. Psychopathological persons. Misidentification of various conventional objects. In April 2003, the United States Air Force publicly indicated that there were no immediate plans to reestablish any official government UFO study programs. However, in December 2017, it was disclosed that a new secret UFO study study titled the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program was funded at over $20 million a year from 2007 to 2012. What did I tell you? I told you that that shit wasn't going to go away. Everything was going to be put on the hush-hush. I mean, this was in 2017. It was disclosed that a new UFO study 
was that was titled Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program was funded with over $20 million a year from 2007 to 2012. Now that's 1,000% way longer than that. I It wasn't from 2007 to 2012. I'm pretty sure that that was way longer than, than what is stated here in, in this report. It, it just doesn't, absolutely not. So let's continue. Now we're, we're going to be talking about Project Blue Book investigation. We, I, I, I threw in what Project Blue, Blue Book was because I wanted to fill you in to, make, to help you understand what is actually going on and why Project Blue Book is significant in this, in this episode. So, I mean, I had to take a little detour to give you a little background on Project Blue Book. So let's get, let's get into the actual Blue Book investigation. According to archive documents, Dr. J. Allen Hynek was ordered by Hector Quintanilla to investigate the site for Project Blue Book within days of the incident. He arrived on Wednesday, April 29, 1964. Perhaps the most compelling aspect of this case is that indentations were left on the ground where Zamora sighted the landed craft. The tracks were inspected by Dr. J. Allen Hynek and were cataloged by Project Blue Book, which officially determined the case as unidentified. So Project Blue Book themselves identified what Zamora showed, which were these indented, these indented, indented tracks or these indented things, holes on the ground as officially unidentified. So that means that everything that, that is on earth to the government's knowledge, to our scientists' knowledge, could not replicate or match the indentations that were left by the spacecraft. Or they had no idea what left it because they haven't discovered exactly what fits that that mold that left those indentations. Either way, very suspicious if you ask me. While collecting soil samples, Hynek cut his finger by touching one of the burnt bushes. The cut drew blood and eventually became affected. This is mentioned in a 1965 letter from Hynek. When asked about the case, Dr. J. Allen Hynek said, quoting, the thing that's puzzling to me is that I'm sure it must to the folks around here. I certainly believe that Lonnie Zamora had a most interesting and significant experience, and I'm particularly interested in the tracks that were left and the analysis of the samples of material from those tracks. Until we know more about it, all I can say, rather disappointing to you perhaps, is simply that I'm puzzled, I'm as puzzled as you are, end quote, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Hector Quintanilla, the chief of Project Blue Book, also weighed in on the case by saying, quote, one of the classic cases on file of the Air Force is, a, is the Socorro, New Mexico case, which occurred in April of 1964. It is one of the best documented cases on record. However, there is no indication that this vehicle, which a policeman, Lonnie Zamora, saw was interplanetary or that it was beyond the state of the state of the art of our present day scientific knowledge, end quote, written by Hector Quintanilla. Approximately 30 years after the incident, Captain Richard T. Holder spoke publicly for the first time to share his perspective. He said, quote, everything we saw seemed to support the story that Officer Zamora recounted. My impression of talking to him was that he was mystified. He wanted an explanation. Nothing that I heard of later gave me the slightest hint that he did this as a hoax or cooked it up for fame or fortune, end quote, written by Richard T. Holder. One of the biggest things that happens whenever people report extraterrestrial extraterrestrial investigations or sightings is that they automatically believe that it's a hoax or they want to, again, deface and, and, and bring your character down. So not only do you have to defend what you saw, you also have to defend your character, which is bullshit. You know, I mean, I understand there's a lot of hoaxes. There's a lot of pranksters. So I can understand that. But were there any witnesses? Were there any witnesses that were there to see exactly what Zamora saw? Let's check it out. Lonnie was not the only witness to the unidentified object that evening in Socorro. Socorro's El Defensor Chieftain newspaper stated, quote, at least one other person, an unidentified tourist traveling north of US-85, saw the UFO just before it landed in the gully, end quote. Opal Grinder, manager of Whiting Brothers Service Station on 85 North, said the man stopped at the station and remarked that aircraft flew low around here. Grinder replied, there were many helicopters in the vicinity. The tourist said it was funny, it, quote, it was a funny looking helicopter if that's what it was, end quote. The man said further the object had flown over his car. It actually was headed straight for the gully where it landed moments later. 
the tourist also commented that he had seen a police car heading up the hill, which was Zamora's car. So now this tourist who was on the 85 was saying, yo, I just saw something weird. Y'all have some weird ass shit out here. The gas station attendant says, oh, no, man, don't even worry about it. That's just some helicopters. And the tourist is like, man, y'all have some fucked up looking as the helicopters here. It flew just over my car and landed just over yonder in the, go- in the gully, followed by Zamora's squad car. So now we have two witnesses stating that they saw something odd and unrecognizable, not a regular helicopter and not an airplane. But yet the government is failing to or failed to acknowledge that this could have been extraterrestrial. Prior to the incident, Zamora had been on the police force for five years. He was regarded as an honest and trustworthy individual. He did not care much for the attention brought along by his story and eventually stopped talking about it. He was reluctant to talk about it even with family. Well, yeah, I mean, when you start getting doubted, be called a, you're called a fucking liar. Of course, you're not going to want to talk about it. I wouldn't want to talk about that shit either. So it makes sense. In a rare 1964 interview, however, he discusses his encounter just as he experienced it. This was quoted by Lonnie Zamora. He said, quote, I was chasing a reckless driver going up south on Park Street. Up until the time I came to this little road, I heard this big roaring blast. We, we got a dynamite shack to the west there. I thought I'd investigate, maybe. I thought I'd investigate, maybe. I thought it maybe blew up. So I started out there real fast. Halfway to it, I stuck my head out the window out of the car, and I seen this white egg object. I didn't know what it was at the time. I thought it was a vehicle that had turned over. I started out there real fast so I could maybe help the people in the car. I went up to it close, about 200 feet. I was 200 feet from it. I got out the car and started toward it when I heard this big noise again. Same noise and the flame coming from under it. I got scared and started running back. I ran about 50 feet from it. I pulled myself to the ground to hide. I didn't hear the noise no more. I, I just lifted my head to see what was happening. It was real quiet. Then I saw this white object just take off toward, wet, toward the west. There it smoothed out. End quote, Lonnie Zamora. So, I mean, again, this was a rare interview where Lonnie Zamora stated what, exactly what he saw, how he saw, and what he heard. But yet, when Blue Book investigated that area, they came to the conclusion that whatever made those indentations were unidentifiable. Then you have a second witness stating that he saw an exact unidentified object making its way from that area or towards that area. So you have two individuals who weren't even close to it or who don't even know each other cooperate or not cooperate, but Admit to to the same exact thing in different places. But we're just going to ignore the fact that that it might actually be extraterrestrial. Doesn't make any sense to me. Graveyard Grumbler's final wrap. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. According to 1965 clippings, an 80-minute documentary film on UFOs titled Phenomenal 7.7 was set into production by a Hollywood studio named Empire Film Studios. The film is said to have been to have been focused on Lonnie's case and features rare footage of Zamora and the landing site taken shortly after the incident. The film was even mentioned in a 1965 letter written by J. Allen Hynek. The film's producer, Michael Musto, even sent a letter regarding the film to the mayor of Socorro, New Mexico, home O. Bursum Jr. In the letter, Musto stated, quote, Phenomenon 7.7 is now completed. It will be viewed by countless millions of people throughout the world. It will be open to the door. It will open the door to facts here to foreshrouded in secrecy. End quote. No, I'm sorry. I wrote that out completely wrong. It would open the door to the facts here to foreshrouded in secrecy. It will prepare the entire human race for a better knowledge of the universe and possible neighbors who have been observing our earth for centuries. End quote. The film was said to be shown publicly for the first time in Socorro, but was not widely released as anticipated. The film has not been found in any archives or records since then. Let me reread that to you for the people in the back who who don't want to believe in conspiracies or government cover-ups or government intimidation. 
The film was said to be shown publicly for the first time in Socorro, but was not widely released as anticipated. The film has not been found in any archives or records since then. Now, if you hop onto Google or DuckDuckGo, you're not going to find that film because I want to go ahead and look at it too. So my final thought, my final wrap on this whole incident is that it is crazy as, 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 as bat pee. I mean, as cat piss. One of the biggest things about, about un, unidentified flying objects is that, yes, technically, if you don't recognize or a, a craft that is under production that isn't widely shared with the government or with the, with the public, it's going to be unidentified. That is given. So we have secret drones that are, again, out there in, in the Nevada area with around Area 51. Remember, Area 51 is a top secret Air Force base that develop mass, that developed secret weapons and develop, you know, spy planes and all this other stuff. So it's not out of the ordinary for something like that to occur. However, when you, when, when you have two different people who don't know each other in different times, in different places, easily identify that they saw an object that they both accurately described resembling each other's description but you don't want to admit that there's that, that, that this is a, a an unidentified flying object. Well, then what's going on? There has to be some sort of cover up. Now, I fully believe in the story. I fully believe that there might have been something, maybe little Mars attacks type shit, some aliens, some sightings going on. But then again, I could be one hundred percent wrong. <laughs> this is what that's what makes the the whole extraterrestrial topic so amazing. The whole alien thing is so so amazing because you literally don't have the truth and you don't have the lie. You literally, whatever your mind can conjure up is pretty accurate unless it's way out far in left field or right field and you just don't understand that what you're saying is completely out, out of pocket. You're just, you're, just, you're just talking wild on the yard. You know what I mean? However, alien conversation is one of the most amazing things. I mean, we heard Robotica scare the shit out of everybody at the beginning of the episode saying that, that artificial intelligence and aliens can work hand in hand. Who do you think is going to send the kid the signal? To the aliens to mark exactly where they need to land. Artificial intelligence, of course. Now, I don't know exactly what Lonnie Zamora saw. You know, when nobody was there, we have no, no picture evidence because he didn't have a camera. You know, he didn't have an iPhone 13 yet. So he wasn't able to snap a couple photos here and there, right? Right. But I don't think, I honestly don't think Lonnie Zamora was not lying. It's just, he, he's, he sounds like it, it, was, it was too... Not not too easy, but I, I just think that what he saw is what he legitimately saw. So, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and leave it at that. I mean, I'll, I'll let your mind, I, I want to know what you guys think. Interact with me. Let me know what you want. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Graveyardgrumblerpodcast on Instagram, Good Pods, which is an app you can download, and Podbean. So let me know what you think. I want I want to know if you think this story has some legitimacy. Is it grounds for holy shit? aliens are attacking or do you think it was just complete bullshit let me know graveyardgrumbler at mail.com graveyardgrumbler podcast on instagram podbean or good pods so i have no announcements other than go check out struggle snuggles instagram for he has some eggs that are ready to hatch here in october he is looking at at selling his first clutch so go ahead and check those out go go to his instagram interact with him if you're interested in buying uh, ball python and if you're curious to know on what ball pythons are as far as caring and as far as anything like that just go ahead and message him and ask him some questions so i mean he does work graveyard so he might it might take a little while for him to respond to you but he will respond to you i guarantee that he responded to me pretty pretty quickly so just go ahead and check out his his instagram page Again, it's all going to be in the, in the show notes. I'll leave everything there so you can just follow him on Instagram. So other than that, I have no announcements other than if you want some more extra content, like two graphic for regular podcast episodes, go ahead and check out my Patreon. It's, it's going to be in the show notes as well. It's $5. I have one tier and you get a shitload of episodes. You get stories. You get many little episodes called Confessions. I also put out a lot more gory crime or uh, true crime episodes on there. I reason why I'm doing that is because I, I mentioned this several times where I don't know my age demographics. And the last thing I want to do is fuck up some kid's head by, by describing 
a horrible, gory ass crime scene. And then they go look at the pictures and it's scarred for life. <laughs> so I'd rather do that to the people who, who are very familiar with the content that I put out and who people are, are on the paywall. That way, you know what you're going to get. You know what I mean? So other than that, I have no other announcements. I appreciate everyone. Stay tuned. Do not talk. Do not clip off until you hear the ending credits. I have a special treat for everybody. And as always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. U.S. Navy has finally acknowledged that videos appearing to show UFOs flying through the air are real. They don't call them UFOs. They call them unidentified aerial phenomena. They, these, uh, the several videos they're talking about were recorded years ago by fighter pilots. Then in 2017, they were made public by the New York Times. More now from our Randy Kay. Images of that rotating thing captured by U.S. Navy aircraft, sensors locking in on the target. Commander David Fravor saw it firsthand during a training mission, describing it like a 40-foot-long tic-tac, maneuvering rapidly and changing direction. As we both looked out the right side of our airplane, we saw a disturbance in the water and a white object oblong pointing north. The object was first sighted in 2004, then similar objects again in 2015. Footage of the sightings, declassified by the military, weren't made public until December 2017 by the New York Times and a group that researches UFOs. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 miles to the west. Oh, thank you. This was extremely abrupt, like a ping pong ball bouncing off a wall. The ability to hover over the water and then start a vertical climb from basically zero up towards about 12,000 feet and then accelerate in less than two seconds and disappear is mm -hmm. something I had never seen in my life. The Navy says it still doesn't know what the objects are and officials aren't speculating. A Navy spokesman simply confirming to CNN the objects seen in the various clips are unidentified aerial phenomena or UAPs. The UFO reports were first investigated by a secret $22 million program, part of the Defense Department budget, that investigated reports of UFOs. The program has since been shut down, but it was run by a military intelligence official who told CNN they found compelling evidence that we, quote, may not be alone. Randy Kay, CNN, New York. Today's episode is sponsored by Struggle Snuggles Ball Pythons. Struggle Snuggle is a small hobbyist breeder who wants to share the joy of ball pythons with new and experienced snake enthusiasts. Struggle Snuggle offers different types of morphs and standard non-morph pythons. Struggle Snuggle will offer insight on the first-time python owners and is available via email for questions on the continuation for healthy care of your new python. You can reach Struggle Snuggle through his Instagram at strugglesnuggle32257. That's strugglesnuggle32257. So you can get a look at the different type of snakes that he does own. Again, strugglesnuggle32257. His Instagram handle will be in the show notes. This is the end. This is the end. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Grumbler.